Hi, everybody. It's Nick Flanagan Weekly. I'm Nick. This is another interview episode. Thanks to everyone who's been listening. As always, I really appreciate it. I appreciate you. I appreciate living. I appreciate uh, that nine out of ten comedy albums have terrible covers and terrible titles. But guess what? Today's guest has a uh, comedy album, and it's great. And it has a great title and a great cover. And that's because he is an artist, a true artist. His name, Todd Graham, one of uh, my favorite comics and a guy I just really like. We both share having ADHD. We talk about that in the conversation uh, that you're about to hear. We talk about his new album, Bustin' Loose, on Comedy Records, which is actually also available on vinyl. If you look up... um, comedyrecords.ca you will likely find a link to how to buy it and he's idiot gallant at uh twitter and most of his other social media things we talk about add we talk about comedy we talk about his groundbreaking apocalypse poo video that i used to rent for a dollar at suspect video in toronto as a young man it uh was a formal informative influence on me formal influence it it made me wear tuxedos anyway this is nick flanagan weekly support todd graham bustin' loose support us on uh patreon and ko-fi if you want code co-fi.com slash nick flanagan patreon.com slash nick flanagan perks 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 uh, I'm not going to give you per- Percocet or Percodan. I'm just going to give you Patreon perks that are not drugs. You will not get hooked, but I do hope you get hooked to the Patreon. And uh, support Todd, please. Comedians need it. So if he asks you to vote for him, nominate him, follow him, buy his record, do it. All right, here's my talk with Todd Graham. Thanks. You know, whenever I see a plastic bag swirling in the wind... I always think to myself, hey, is that one of my plastic bags? (laughs) How did that get out? Pretty sure I closed the basement door this morning. You you got a room full of plastic bags? But how about a bag of bags? You got a bag of bags? Yeah. Well, that's how it starts. And, and, and let me tell you this, don't start naming them. <laughs> I can't turn back down that road. What was your big show? In- I, got, I, I got to do, I told you that, didn't I? I got to do the, the improv. Yeah, they brought you back to the improv. Right? We're rolling, baby. No, I did the, yeah, I did the main, the big room. You did the big room at the improv. Yeah. You did great. That's what I went down there for. That brought, was fun. They brought you back. The, yeah, to do uh, another show, a little tiny show in that little room. Which show? And that was the most fun. That yeah. show. It I, was all comics. The improv lab. Yeah, and it was just comics. Uh huh. But unlike here, they were, they were listening. They were they were all like into the, right. the show. It was I a lot of a couple of a comics lot, on the lottery show. Oh, so it was like the open mic you went and did. Yeah, well, in the lab room yeah, on the Sunday. Oh, a different day. Yeah. 
and they have like five or six booked spots. And he gave me one of those. And that, oh, it's okay. Sorry. This happens. And the same, and just before me was uh, 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 Dana Gould. The great Dana Gould. And he was practicing before he did a Conan the next night. Yet another guy who divorced in his 50s. Scary to me. I see these comedians, they get divorced in their 50s. And next thing you know, they're they're a direct, don't get divorced. I'm in my 50s. I know. But is that the trouble area? Well, these guys have been doing comedy since they were 17, so they didn't have the time to grow up that you did, Todd. Yeah, it went backwards. You moved backwards. Yeah. How old were you when you started doing comedy? Well, I this is a multi-layered answer, but uh, the baseline answer, I think, would be 40. I took Humber Night School. You went to the Humber Comedy Program in Toronto, Ontario, Canada at night. At night. While you were working. Eight weeks. Wow. It was perfect. Expedited. Larry Horowitz told me what I needed to know. What did he tell you? Said that stand about here. Right. And uh, when you're leaving the stage, leave behind. Is it behind the MC? Leave behind the MC. I don't remember. Do you do that still? No, it doesn't I don't. Because like I it. can't remember. Yeah, I don't know you're how supposed I supposed to leave. go either. You're supposed to go around them in one way, and I can't remember what that is. Do you think stagecraft? Stagecraft. So, uh, so it was leave behind the host slash MC uh, when they uh, when you introduced you go. I think you go in front of them, and then you leave behind them. That makes sense. Yeah. And uh, what's the worst introduction you've ever gotten, besides now? I don't know. What? There's got to be. People don't get my name wrong, uh, so Todd so Garm. That's, that's good. Tad Garm. I can't. I don't know. I Chad don't think Graham. I mean, you know, if it's really bad, it's a gift, right? So I, right. I, I don't know. Most of the time, it's a gift. If it's anything that you can, as they say in the business, riff on. Yeah. If you, if they say, oh, this guy Todd Graham, he's award winning, and then you go up and you go, well. He didn't tell you what award, did he? And the crowd I, likes it. That's true. <laughs> but they often they don't. They don't. If you, I, I think. <laughs> oh no, yeah, I, they I, think I, you're like enemies or something. Yeah, yeah, when they give you like some hosts like to, just to make it easier, probably on themselves, they they will uh, they'll say, oh, you know, so and so toured all over the world and uh, such and such, which is not true. Mm-hmm. If you if you correct them, I think you just you just look bad. Everybody loses. Everybody loses. I've definitely had a thing where I've uh, been in a. Uh, don't look at my notes, by the way. I'm bringing up my notes on my major thing. I've had something where I'll come on. And I'll go. Oh, the host. I think the host says this or that, and the crowd is just like, "Why are you making? Why?" disparaging the host yeah he's hosting you this is his own yeah you know so it's one of the many sort of rules i break in comedy 
rule breaker. You're a rule breaker by getting into it older. Yeah. So you're 40 years old. You're at the Humber Night School program. But I have caveats. Mm-hmm. So throw them my way. I did two spots. I did two sets in high school at the end of my high school. Mm-hmm. And because, and uh, you know, they say if you're going to continue doing this, your first time had to go well. <laughs> I never and heard it, that rule. No? No. It seems to be, well, it's not so much a rule as it is, uh, I guess, a... Uh, Logic? Uh, well, or uh, uh, just seems to uh, be the way. I mean, my first time went pretty well. Yeah. I think that, I think it's key. Like, I, I you would, if it goes badly, the chances of you doing it again are less likely. I guess, but if that's the only uh, determiner, determinant in, in a, you know, in that, well, if you suck the first time or if it doesn't go well the first time, you may actually learn from that and come back stronger the second time if you decide to come back. You see what I'm saying? Whereas you could go up and it could go well so you don't try as much the next time and it doesn't go well, which is, I guess, the teachable moment well, I, I mean, I, most of this is coming from uh, Larry the uh, no, the episode of uh, of Fame, the TV show <laughs> Fame, when Danny, the uh, wannabe comic, yeah, uh, killed on his first right uh, open mic, and then the second time bombed horribly. How were his jokes? I don't remember or anything. Just uh, I, it's only an essence. Please keep talking. I'm going to stand up for a moment and do something. All right, but keep talking. All right. I don't I I don't I think it's uh I think it's just a common thread. I don't have any science to back it up. But I but I was trying to think cuz my first uh set outside of the class and the class was perfect by the way because you you know there's like 20 people and you all have to take a turn doing stand up in front of each other and it's so it just was like horrible. the improv. You know, it was just bad. Oh. For everyone. So it wasn't like the improv lab where but, everybody but, was listening. Oh, yeah, in that regard, yeah. Okay. Right. Yeah. No, it was, uh, everybody had to do it too. So we all felt the same pain. And, uh, uh, but, but the first time, uh, because it was through Humber, they, they, the prize, I guess, when you graduated from this night school class was that you got to perform on the Humber night uh, at Yuck Yucks. I, I remember that night. I'd, you'd come in and do the Wednesday and there'd be this Humber night hosted by Linda Ellis and my friend Mac Lorenz sometimes would be in the mix of the Humber night. And it was, uh, I, I mean, it was so funny when it was starting. You know, Humber was, uh, I would definitely not call it mocked in the circles of comedy in Canada uh, on a greater scale, but I think in the sort of new comedian, open mic, or super road dog, older comics, it, and definitely American comics who had no clue as to why this needed to exist, you know, that was the take. Why does this exist, you know? But a lot of good comedians have come out of it, so. And a lot of uh, people seem to get uh, some level of camaraderie with other comedians, you know, through it. 
Yeah. Sorry to interrupt and go on a little tangent there, but oh, uh, that's fine. That and the, and they one of those good things they provide is the Humber Night, which is the night for comedians to theoretically get better on stage. But it seems like it's kind of got some uh, handicaps in that regard. Yeah. Well, mine was terrible. Your handicap? No, I am my my first uh, time on that show. What happened? It was, uh, it w- well, see, I guess it's set up to, to uh, be a practice night for the kids who are at the full-time Humber. Uh, I in see. In the daytime, right? Yes. And they were, they were all finishing their program, and then they weren't listening to anybody else uh, at this show. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was extremely nervous and, and shaking. And uh, it was uh, it was silence because people empathize. They think that if they see somebody bombing, that they're gonna you know point and laugh, but they but they don't. They they are they get terrified. Yeah, because it's you know it's as big a fear as almost death. Public speaking for some people, it's uh, it's yeah. uh, it's up there. So it almost represents a descent into anarchy until some Weisenheimer in the crowd goes. You stink, man. There was none of that, though. Good. And it would that would have that would have probably uh, livened it up a little bit because it was it was like dead in the dead. It was, it, it was uh, just bad. As Nas said once, cemetery silence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To quote Nas, you know Nas. Nas? No, I know. I know. You're a hip guy. I know Nas. That was something. So you go and you do Humber. Second time is in public at the comedy club. And the first time was, uh, they and you did well. Where, where was that exactly? It was in an assembly. In, back when I was in grade, I was in grade 13. Which back in the day was called OAC for me. Yeah. Ontario Academic curling counseling counseling <laughs> and it's gone now there's no grade 13 13th no grade no um so you did the, the assembly were you popular in high school i did well, I, don't, I don't know about that uh i i i guess pretty good i did the morning announcements i don't think that has to do with and uh, one has to do with another but uh <laughs> were you popular well, I did the morning announcements, so say no more, please. Uh, say more. I'm confused as to whether that applies to anything here. <laughs> I, well, I know, uh, I know uh, some people knew my name because of that, uh, right. especially uh, uh, the uh, uh, business teacher, Mr. Andrews. <laughs> he knew my name because he he was very upset that I would. Uh, I would finish the announcements and then I would forget that I had something else to say. So I'd turn it back on and say, oh, yeah, sorry, I forgot. Let me just say this one more thing. And and he would get upset because he, he had a, a grade 13 homeroom. So my friends were in his homeroom and they told me that every time I do that, he gets furious and he like throws shit at the speaker and, yeah. uh, and gets and gets mad. And so this I, guy will never be a public speaker. And, he he he. So I uh, so I did it on purpose one day, 
and then waited a beat and then said, uh, I heard that, Mr. Andrews. <laughs> and, it, and it so happened that he had gotten mad and swore and <laughs> threw something and so it timed out perfectly and he was he was frightened this is in peterborough ontario that's right which is where you're from yeah so what do you want to say about peterborough what's it like i've been there yeah it's me too i bet i well i don't go back that much but you were at, at one point setting up kind of one-nighters there that's right i i, I had a show and a in kind of a tipsy McStaggers, right. in a part of the Peterborough Square, which is a mall downtown that's fallen on hard times, as the downtowns of a lot of small towns. Brantford, yeah, sad where, downtown. Uh, where, uh, you know, the uh, the mills closed. Was there a mill in Peterborough? GE was a, oh, yeah. was a big presence. All my uncles and aunts and grandparents and parents worked there did you think you were eventually no set to be in the uh the film blue collar except it would star you instead of harvey keitel no yeah, fed koto and richard pryor it would star you and uh who else lives in peterborough who's famous sean cullen sean cullen did you go to school with sean cullen no but but uh i realized that we were uh we were born two days apart Oh, that's cool. And then uh, because there would have been only one um, maternity hospital. Right. At the time, uh, we would have been in the nursery so together. You're the same because age? Yeah. Oh, wow. So we would have been in the nursery together. And when I first met him, mm -hmm. I told him this, that I said, oh, it's nice to meet. I, I know you probably don't remember me. <laughs> and uh, so that was kind of funny. Oh, those I I get. I yeah. know you don't remember. This is your dry, witty yeah. sense of humor oh, that well, you know. has been heralded around the world. It gets you in trouble too. You've played festivals all over the world. <laughs> you have, you and I have talked often about things we haven't gotten all over the world. Yes, which is the uh, ADD style almost is to say. That's right. Uh, and you know, also there is a prominent ADHD. Uh, I don't know the guy who organized the support group in in toronto and the groups i've go, gone to that i've told you about his name is wayne he's also from peterborough and he went to school with sean cullen ah so well that school's closed now my dad and mom went there before the ge thing during, i don't know how no ge i think just it used to be the biggest plant that they had yeah in the country no in the world of wow. all the ge plants and now it's all gone except for the toxic waste. How do you feel when people say, oh, GE is a big, bad corporation when they put food and bread in your mouth for years? Well, they've been talking to my dad because he would say that <laughs> when I would disparage them for for uh, building nukes, <laughs> nuclear missiles. Right. He'd say, He'd no, say they... you know, hey, sent you to that goddamn art school, <laughs> you hippie freak. I hope. Oh, yeah. I hope that you're not mad you're eating GE brand uh, pizza every night over there in the college dorm that I, I it's not me giving you money it's GE giving you money you're basically an employee of GE a subcontractor of GE yeah schmuck yeah he would never call you a schmuck no 
didn't no. know what the word meant probably no and i only, i i enlightened my children the other day of the actual meaning of schmuck and they were horrified yes it's uh, <laughs> one of many words that means genitals in yiddish there's quite a few oh i thought it was specifically the uh the discarded foreskin oh yeah that is what schmuck is um but there's also uh schmegma uh, well, smegma must come directly from. I'm all sure of these words. it must, because that's how we got there. <laughs> we got into like, like the schmegma on a schmuck. <laughs> well, if you want to uh, introduce Yiddish to your family, uh, the Joy of Yiddish by Leo Rostin's great place to start. I I started with Mad Magazine. Yeah, Mad Magazine is also a great place to start. <laughs> And, uh, and, and every sitcom in the 70s. So you were growing up in the 1970s. Yeah, well, that was when And the was 1960s. In. I don't remember that part. Because that would have been, you would have been four years old at the most. Yeah, from 65 to 70, I got uh, up to five. Yeah. And uh, was it like the leave it to beaver thing? I don't know. <laughs> I assume. You know, were your parents like Ward and June, Father yeah, Moon's they, best? They were Ward and June-esque. My Mother the Car. I don't remember that one. Um, a Galaxy 500, though, pretty cool. What was that? It was a Ford. Oh, I know the band. Galaxy 500? Good band. Good car. When well, did, I looked nice. When did you learn how to drive? I, I was... Uh, I was a bit of an outlier in that regard. I I, I uh, waited until I was 17. Okay, that's a little late for the Peterborough yeah. 17. Yeah. What, when did most people learn how to drive? 16. So you waited one year. Waited one year. And Is that then, hard? And, well, it was hard because I, I took uh, driver's ed and my, my ex-girlfriend was in the class. And so that was made me sad. Did you meet her through the announcements? No, I don't think I met anyone through the announcements. <laughs> but I do in a room. But that announcing. I did the announcements with a guy who, uh, who is now the, he's the voice of, uh, uh, and now this on the, the this week with John Oliver. Oh wow! Yeah. I don't. What's his name? David K. Way to go, David. Yeah. Here's some successful Canadians named David. He's from Peterborough, too. I would assume. Yeah. David Kay, David Suzuki, David, um, uh, he's not Canadian, David. I, I had, I David had a, Attenborough? Not Canadian, but that's who I was thinking of. Yeah? Uh, um, David, uh, there's Duke, no, he's not Canadian, luckily. No. Uh, David, um, I'm just going to have to put a pin in, oh, Steinberg, David Steinberg. David Steinberg, yeah. Um, and he's from Winnipeg. And named Dave, but they don't have to be from Peterborough in this. But that, but uh, that, um, David Mamet? No, not Canadian. Did we say Attenborough? He's not Canadian. All oh, right. But we, I was going to say Attenborough, and you guessed that, so it's close to me. We saying Attenborough. Yeah. yeah. Do you think that our uh, cadence together is is a pleasant thing? We'll have to hear it back. I know. I don't, well, I'm not going I to. think it's I fine. pass these to the producer. And... You have a producer for this? Yeah. Andy, that's great. Andy Lloyd out of Hamilton. Oh, that's great. He, he was like, I know him. He was in some great bands. He's in Born Ruffians. And 
He's got a family out there in Hamilton, and he helps uh, me out with the uh, interview episodes. And he, well, that's good. Sound good. It's and, good to have. It's good to have someone with a little more objectivity. I know, but he's so kind. Whenever I email him about, that, I was like, "How was that conversation?" He says, "Great." It's great. And then he like lists points that were in the episode. So it's like he did listen, you he know, like he it. did have this opinion, you know. But I guess if you're gonna pour through an hour plus talk, it's like you better like it. But of course that's not how it works with jobs. Not that this is quite a full time job for him. Or you. Or me. But it feels more like a full-time job for me. Yeah. I don't do very Do you much. do one every week? Yeah, I do. I try to do multiple a week. So then if one week you don't have one, you got something in your back pocket? Well, yeah, technically. But most of the time I'll just... Because you see, my, you know, I, the setup here is right next to my bed. We're in my room right now, which is generally where I record the podcast. And uh, I just will get out of bed and record a solo episode. But like this week, for instance, I have two interviews scheduled. Do you do a solo episode all at once? I I think you have to. I don't. Oh, do you mean? Yeah. I For mean, an I, hour? I, no, no, no. They're never an hour. The, they're, oh, okay. they're like so ten, we're almost, 10 to 30 minutes. Are we almost done? No, we can talk for hours. All right. And we could talk for hours probably. Oh, you can just do a part two. We I did the only two parter is the Scott Thompson one where we actually talked for about three hours. Okay, well, and I talked to Tim Gilbert for about three hours, but we we wound up using a second one where we talked for not as long. Well, those are both like absolute champions and <laughs> and comedy heroes of mine. Well, some would say that you're a champion, Todd. Well, I don't know about that. And I think it, maybe if I'm lucky. Remember when you came on the scene? One of my kids. One of the kids will be a hero. A no, I would hero. say that I'm a hero. Have you? How many kids you got? Like two. I've, you have two they, children. When I, after I've died, <laughs> and they have to do a eulogy. You have two children. I do. And they're taller. Yeah, now? they're almost finished. <laughs> what? They're almost dead. No, <laughs> they're almost finished being children. Your daughter's a rock climber. But they have ADD too, so who knows how long it'll go on for. Well, the statistics, you know, are very dire. Yeah, so it's a, what is it, a third back maturity-wise? Third, yes, emotional maturity is somehow becomes dog years or reverse dog years or something where it's like, yeah, your, your, your emotional maturity is much slower and you're more likely to go to jail and uh, have these sort of um, unhealthy uh, addictions or habits like cigarettes or eating or podcasting, podcasting or collecting video games, which you can't see, but I've got quite the video game set up. Oh, do you? Back there. Yeah. Do you I like, can't. No, I can't. I love it, but you, I can't do it. You love video games. Yeah. When did you stop? Well, I, I I used to play with my son, and uh, the industry stopped that for me, I guess, because uh, the last one that we could play together was uh, Halo, and they don't make uh, two-player games anymore. Oh, they it's probably all online. Yeah. So they do make two-player games, but they just exceeded your ken, so to speak. 
Sure. Your knowledge. When I say can, I mean knowledge. Or 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 my bandwidth. Your band. Well, that's see now. This is that. This is why you're a comedy hero. I love your comedy. Well, I love your comedy. Oh, that's so sweet of you to say. Um, and I remember when you first came in to the scene, uh, and uh, how did we wind up bonding, Todd? Well, well, I, was it Laugh Sabbath? It, I'm sure it was at Laugh Sabbath. It might not have been because I was always around, especially when you were first coming on. I was doing like all kinds of shows, but I feel like when we were first talking, you were facing this strange situation where you were a man with a life and a family who not only that had, we'll get to this in a second, you had not used your time not doing comedy. Uh, you had not used the, the prior time. You, you were creative far before you were doing comedy. You had creative pursuits. Oh, yeah. 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 And, uh, and, but you had to go into this world where people were treating you at times, people who are literally half your age were treating you as if you were some sort of a clod of dirt. Oh, for sure. You know, and um, that's, and then on the other hand, you know, maybe you'd meet a person who is your age, but they'd be like, oh, I don't know, they'd treat you like a child, but you were the same age. But that probably happened wow. much less rarely, I would imagine. Well, that was, there much wasn't that, rarely. there wasn't that many people just starting out who were my age. So like anyone my age would have been doing it since they were 18 or. But that's or, what I'm saying. Like if you met the people who probably were your age, who you've met uh, doing, doing comedy, who had been doing it for longer probably afforded you more respect than your average uh, 20 year old uh, than the clot of dirt guys there's probably a lot more of the clot of dirt guys young guys than the old guys Older yeah guys yeah and there wasn't I think there I don't know there wasn't a lot of the younger comics starting out that were actually listening so not not that anything that I was saying was, was, uh, uh, brilliant or anything, but, but, uh, they were only judging, uh, from, from the audience, uh, reaction. Yeah. And so, that, that's often the case when you're younger, when you're earlier in comedy, I found, you know, that, um, very often people only judge it by the reaction. And that's why I've always really kept like a list of the comics. I know who would come to like younger when they were just younger, who would come to like my album recordings and stuff. I've been like, that is so cool, you know? And I'm sorry I didn't make your recording. No, that's okay. I don't know if I was in town for it. I was uh, <laughs> I was uh, on the show for yours, I think. Though. Yes, 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 yes. But the were. last one. Yes, you were there in Hamilton for Life to Privilege. Yeah. Um, and, I, you know, I feel bad that I'm bringing it to this. Oh, people treated you badly. The truth of the matter is that you were very early on, there was a large group of comics who completely embraced what you were doing, you know, in my mind, at least, you know, uh, at least oh, the I, scenes that I was running in, you'd go up and people were into it, you know? Well, I, I think once, uh, you know, uh, finding, you know, you and the folks from, from Laugh Sabbath, uh, there was more acceptance there and more, uh, more interest in, in maybe something a little bit different. And I also knew who you were. So I knew that you were something, I mean, once you explained to me 
uh, what you made, uh, which was Apocalypse Poo and a couple other of those things, and a lot more stuff, I'm sure, that I missed out on. But uh, not much more. Not much more. <laughs> you had a family, the ADD. It's, you know, the fact you made four things in 15 years is fine. You know, it took my dad about like 12 years in between books once, like poetry books, you know, so. These things uh, happen. Yeah. Do you like that on this like uh, ADD mouse pad I've got? Um, I just wrote the word facts. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea why. Anyway. I thought it was a symbol from uh, that, that show. What was the, the, what, the purgatory show where they all were on the plane crash? Herman's head. Yeah. No, lost. Lost, yeah. Um, I don't Looked like the symbol, the symbol for lost. Every, you know, everyone says that uh, Daniel Day Kim is uh, was one of the first Asian heartthrobs in a very long time. Male Asian heartthrobs. Well, that's probably fair. Due to the lack of representation. <laughs> I would say. <laughs> lack, what do you think of the lack of Asian male representation in Hollywood? Uh, yeah well it's good that it's it's changing i'm happy to see that i'm happy to see that uh even with an all asian cast they can still make a uh a saccharine horrible uh uh romantic comedy (laughs) i know i was just thinking about that the other day i was like this is like why does this have to be the bar that everyone is trying to reach representation-wise? It's like, we want our Sleepless in Seattle. It must, you know, it must just go back to the fact that the early days of cinema, like you know, movies like Love Story, it is like a uh, vaunted uh, genre in a way that if you don't feel represented, and maybe it is like, maybe even though you're saying that, you know, slightly humorously, saccharine, terrible... Maybe it actually is meaningful to be able to have yeah, I think these so. mainstream garbage movies, you know, yeah. that are made for you, you know, because not that this is a garbage movie, but a movie like Devil in a Blue Dress, right? But with uh, Denzel Washington, that was like uh, almost like a film noir, you know, with an all black, you know, predominantly African-American cast like that probably felt awesome for but I would not know. I have to guess. I don't know. I don't know. I think I, we've really cracked. People it. don't remember like the Joy Luck Club. I, I, I why think there was, was that? I don't know was why. Was there too many white people in that? It was a hit, wasn't it? The Joy Luck Club? Yeah. My mom read that once. So good for her, right? Yeah. Um, I never did. Maybe it's disparaged because uh, it has uh, uh, Andrew McCarthy in it. Andrew McCarthy from uh, 16 Candles? Yeah. Is he canceled? Yeah, I think so. Because of Long Duck Dong. Yeah, and he, and he also, he's a he's a bit of a blinker. What does that mean? One of those guys. It's <laughs> a bit blinky. Have you noticed people, do you have this problem where people tell you a television show is great and then you go and watch it and it's not great? Yeah, I think that happens a lot. Happened to me yesterday with a show called Succession with Brian Cox. Yeah. And well, well he's good. 
He's great, yeah. But it also had uh, Cameron from uh, Ferris View Bueller's Day Off. Oh, I, I yeah, I didn't, I didn't think he did anything. Now I sort of put him in the Andrew McCarthy boat. That's why yeah. I bring the show up. But getting back to ADHD, <laughs> I took us on quite a tangent there uh, into racial. <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to uh, <laughs> I hesitate to call us white. But uh, I'm, I'm wrong to hesitate. <laughs> I'm very wrong to hesitate about that. Uh, um, you made stuff. I found out that very quickly. I think you told me. I feel like you told me because you thought maybe this guy knows. You had said something, I think, about suspect. Ah, yeah. So you had uh, made this thing called Apocalypse Poo, which was a... Uh, when did you make that? What year did you make 1987. That? In 1987, and it was... Um, well, why, don't, why don't you tell me what it was? Well, it was uh, a mashup, what they call a mashup now. Yes, a visual, audio-visual mashup. Yeah. In this case. So it was the, the audio, primarily the audio from Apocalypse Now, synced up to match the, the visuals from the uh, Disney Winnie the Pooh cartoons. The yes. original three and did you also put blue peanuts together yeah that was uh that was a, a trailer for uh with charlie brown and and synced up to the soundtrack of uh blue velvet so you had the famous uh paps blue rig ribbon scene but it was snoopy and his root beer i remember yeah. that really well and then uh and then the archie's singing the sex pistols okay you're right the archie's singing the sex pistols was yes. the bonus rock video? Yes, Anarchy in the UK, I believe. Yeah, was the one. Uh, and uh, I this was no, available. It was God save the Queen. Really? Yeah. Okay. Sorry. Because he says, "We mean it, man." Ah, and it synced up very well. Yeah. And uh, this was something that at Suspect Video, the cool video store right by where. I was uh, this house actually, which we moved into when it, I was about thirteen, and it was available for one dollar to rent. Yeah, because it's so short. Because it was so short, so you know, I didn't always have a lot of money, so sometimes I'd rent it. And uh, well, thank you. I loved it. Loved it a lot. Yeah, it's had a strange journey, and uh, I remember watching it and thinking. Um, I mean, you know, now we think about it, it's it's a very simple thing, you know, but it's uh, it's something that's been expanded upon now, especially with the internet and YouTube and stuff, uh, quite a bit. Is Paco's Poo on YouTube? Oh, yeah. How are the views? Well, uh, uh, before I got, uh, I sort of, uh, I, I was more of like analog uh, when I was at, uh, OCAD uh, back mm. in the day was before the internet and, and digital editing and uh, uh, so I had to it took me about I figure anywhere from 60 to 80 hours probably to put that together with uh, the analog video uh, editor so and, that's and, like, and like 6 12 hour days a long time yeah long time and uh uh, but I was hyper focused on it. I was yeah. it was uh, that's how I was able to get through that. But but uh, uh, what was the question again? 
uh, how how popular is it? Well, with it, oh, and uh, so I wasn't very uh, um, comfortable with with when when YouTube came about. I didn't know how to upload a video right right away, and and someone beat me to it. Uh, I had intended to 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 upload it, but but a, a lady from California had who had discovered it on the end of a videotape of something, mm-hmm. which is how it got around. Yeah. Uh, she she uploaded it and uh you know every now and again i would get an interview in a weird magazine or something and it would huh. bump up the hits and uh, it's almost about it's almost at two million now that's, that's the oldest one but there's like about eight other versions that people have put up and then mine also do you get checks no i don't i don't know how any of that works and you know, God bless her. She she was the first one to do it. I don't know how much she makes. She deserves all of it. Yeah. In Todd's opinion. She well, I contacted her and and she steers people to my yeah to my page. It's like YouTube. we talked about with your comedy on uh, YouTube. It's like, what are we gonna do? Bring it, have it taken down so nobody chances upon it. Yeah. And you can't instead of making point ten percent of 0.1 cents you know 0.10 percent i think that's something 0.1 percent yeah um math math but you made this and when you made it why did you make it what made you say i'm gonna make this oh i was just uh we were uh we were uh, always having a a saber rattled uh, in front of us uh, in in video especially about copyright and how you can't be fucking around and and taking uh, and this is the, the anything. Ontario from, College of Art, yeah, OCAD. yeah, yeah. So, so uh, uh, we'd watched uh, Apocalypse Now. I, well, I had anyways uh, twenty twenty five plus times by the time I left high school, <laughs> and uh, uh, the, so many lines were automatic. You know, <laughs> to just came up in conversation, and uh, my friend had a Tigger puppet. Right. And he was bugging me with it. And I said, hey, it's a fucking tiger, man. <laughs> and then thought, oh, hey. And, and but since uh, we were we were told to beware of any kind of copyright, uh, I just put it together for one of the cabarets, just thinking it would be a, a laugh. Uh-huh. And then when I sat down with the two films, there was all these other scenes, too, that were uh-huh. matching up. And it was really something something was there. Ah, so it was like you were kind of discovering as you were going. You were like chiseling. Yeah, I learned how to edit. That's great. Doing doing that. And that's kind of your other job right now, right? No, I don't really edit uh, at work. But uh, I'm, I'm, you know, kind of sidling up to it at home. Would you consider editing this podcast for me alongside Andy? He does the interviews. You do the solo episodes. Yeah. What do you think? I don't know as much about audio. We could put the, be difficult. Could edit the video. There's also a video component. I think I've got enough things going on there. I had, there's a cryptocurrency called Bits, and I can give you a little uh, here and there a little taste of that. Yeah. Is it? It sounds like a parody cryptocurrency. <laughs> no, it's for Buns, the Buns Trading Zone app. Ah. 
They use it. They still have that. It's going strong. Really? They even have a podcast network. The Buns people. Yeah, there's a show called Girly Mags that I've apparently been on. You Uh, don't know if you've been on? I don't know if they ran the episode. How will you find that out? I don't know. I'm subscribed to it. I haven't seen my episode come up, but I did it like last year. They have such a backlog. Could be. That happens sometimes. I, I'm sitting on a couple of episodes. I hope the people don't think I'm not yeah, going to post the that, episodes. The, the Tim Gilbert one. There's that. There's Goodrick Gevert. And then also Jamie Loftus was one of the earliest people I interviewed in, in L.A. I was trying to get this podcast from, off the ground from in Dinosaur LA. Jr.? No, she's a comedian um, in L.A. And she uh, is very funny. Um, she's done a lot of different things. She worked on Super Deluxe, and now Super Deluxe is gone. Yeah, sad. Well, is it gone, though? Or they came back in another form? I think it went away. I think it was deemed redundant because there was like it was purchased by a company. And, and in case you're wondering, Super Deluxe was, you know, this website slash web presence that would release videos and funny stuff. And Vic Berger got his, made his bones there. Yeah, and they, I think they came back in some degree, oh. and they didn't invite him. Oh, weird! It's so weird. My buddy Brian Barlow also worked there. And, yeah, and uh, he did a great job. And there were lots of good people involved, and you know what though, the craftwork thing that they did was so good. I didn't see that. What was that? Well, they would, they just sang like craftwork. Uh, all of the comments. On the side of the video, they would sing them like craftwork <laughs> lyrics as people type. That's amazing. Yeah, that's uh, that's another guy who was in charge of that. this guy Cyrus, a really really great music 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 mind musician mind. He used to back up Brett Gelman for shows. Maybe he still does. Is that the uh, Motley Crue guy? No, Brett Gelman is uh, that's Brett Michaels from Poison. I think you're thinking oh. of. And Brett Gelman is this comedian. Uh, oh yeah, you know, he's been an actor. Oh, he, he's yeah. in Fleabag. Is he in Fleabag? So good. Is Fleabag an American show? No, it's British. I thought so. Yeah, but he's on, an American on Fleabag. Yeah, it's so good. I've been and he's to watch brilliant. Get Fleabag. He's really really good. Okay. And he used mm-hmm. to do a lot of things for Adult Swim. Yes, totally. And then he famously sort sort of said, "I am done with Adult Swim because they had." Sam Hyde and Million Dollar Extreme as a show on it. It was viewed as a bad show. I like to talk about very negative things sometimes on this. Do is you that, find that ADD that the... sends you down a sort of hole of like, it can, yeah. do you ever say, why did I say that? Why did I bring that up to that person? Oh, all the time. Okay. Give me a moment of shame. That I've done? Yeah. I can, and then I'll give you Oh, I, uh, before I did stand up, I, I, I used to go, this was before the internet. And that when when uh, going to the Toronto International Film Festival was was valuable mm-hmm. because uh, you might not see any of these films and ever again. Yeah. You know, so yeah. lots of really interesting stuff from around the world. Right. And uh, uh, I used to like to ask questions uh, when the director was there right. after the film. So so I asked a lot of famous directors uh, <laughs> stupid questions like Nardwar once did. Yeah. Yeah. Or my son John. loves Nardwar. Oh yeah, Nardwar was actually my one of my 
entry points into sort of uh, underground culture or whatever you call it. We passed around a VHF, uh, VHS of his uh, when I was 13, and I, I then started corresponding with him. Yeah. And uh, we, my friend and I put on his first, his band, The Evaporator's first show uh, in Toronto when we were about 13. Isn't <laughs> that crazy? Yeah. My friend Andrew and me. Yeah. I don't know. I don't think I know Andrew. He plays in Wrong Hole with me. Yeah? Yeah. Good. Do you have an album? Yeah. Wait, what was the embarrassing thing that you asked? Or did you just say... Oh, I know. I think I asked... Do you know the avant-garde... I guess he's in like an alt uh, director, Hal Hartley. Of course I know Hal Hartley. You know, I watched Hartley. all of his movies in the 90s, yeah. Some people really, they really hated him. Like he was very divisive. Yeah, he was very this, stagey as a director. Yeah, yeah. and the, the acting was stylized. Yeah. Almost like, almost like, uh, like uh, the 40s or 30s or 40s style. Some of his stronger movies have actually aged aged decently. Oh, I, I yeah. love them. I love yeah. his film. I loved his movies. Trust and uh, Simple Men and uh, Amateur was almost the, the best one. And uh, I loved yeah. Amateur. Yeah. Uh, uh, Martin Donovan. That was what like put him on the map. The, the yeah. The Hartley movies. Yeah. yeah. Now, well, who? Speaking of uh, Adult Swim, uh, there's another actor who was in some of the later films that he made. Like, uh, uh, and I can't because he did human a, nature as well right am I crazy like no he, no that was uh, no but he did another movie where someone was like a monster or something yeah he that did, was with Sarah Polly. right right because poor Adrian um, died she was only in one or two but she Adrian was, Shelley yeah she yeah, was murdered I know she was murdered and she was with Horrible. one of those people who was like you don't hear this all the time she was like punched and then she died from being punched. Wow. So uh, anyway. Yeah. Great actor. Great. She was what really helped. And she was a director too. She'd written she Waitress started. and it came out posthumously. Oh, terrible. Terrible. Uh, I'm I'm thinking of somebody else though. So what did you ask Hal Hartley? Uh, if he was related to, uh, to the... Uh, um, creator of the Archie comics, uh, Al Hartley. What did he say? No, he is not. He, <laughs> he was a little, he Put was off. a little terse. Yeah. <laughs> Didn't like that. People are always asking me if I'm related to somebody. Well, I'm not. Is that what he said? No, but it was, oh. it was sort of like that. Somebody. Cause obviously he's related to somebody. You know, our mutual friend, uh, Chris Locke was blocked by the comedian, Gary Goldman. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so Gary Gullman for those who aren't listening Gary Gullman has been on this uh, at first helpful now pr pretty much maniacal uh, year long thing where every day he puts out a, a bit of advice for yeah. comedians and um, you know uh, it's a bit much. It's be I think the fact it's 365 and it's every day and there's a, it, it's kind of getting crazy. And uh, that's actually literally what Chris said. Chris, Gary Goldman wrote like, consider getting a pet. Pets are fun. You know, <laughs> they're great for like feeling inspired. And then I guess Chris wrote like joking, 
jokingly he wrote um okay now this is getting crazy <laughs> <laughs> and he blocked him for that yeah. oh my god feeling threatened i don't know what's going on i mean it's what's who's at fault there chris gary social media itself uh, i don't think chris <laughs> no i don't i don't think so oh my god yeah that's what you know james woods does you this try thing. to do something nice for people <laughs> yeah exactly he's like oh i'm not i have no time for the haters that's what it all comes down to now that's everyone's thing i have oh, no time for the haters god yeah and that's uh did you ever dabble in uh writing about things criticism <laughs> my only experience was that with that is i wrote uh I wrote fake reviews for uh, for high school classes, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, in the in the school paper. Yeah, yeah, I must have been popular. I was in the school paper, yeah. and uh, the announcements. These yeah. are all you like, had a girlfriend. Oh, oh, these are just yeah, yeah, very uh, very good notches in the Hip in stuff. the popularity belt. Next thing you're gonna tell me there was uh... yearbook. I worked on the yearbook. Yeah. Did you, but you probably pranked a couple of teachers pretty bad. I did. I knew it. I I, uh, I wrote a review. Uh, most of them were very glowing, but I knew I had to write a a, a bad one. And uh, and this teacher and I were joking around all the time. We we got along pretty well. So I mm -hmm. thought that he would have a sense of humor about uh, when I called uh, grade thirteen biology a pointless shocker. <laughs> <laughs> all gore and no substance and and he was mad he really was mad at me <laughs> i uh i remember in an english class i once just used uh richard helen the voidoids lyrics when they said write a poem <laughs> I was like, why not uh, i was like betrayal takes two who did it to who <laughs> you know and it was just like uh sure Sure, this guy's writing these sort of like New York heroin lullabies <laughs> in Toronto in 1994. <laughs> um, yeah, and once I left a uh, pig fetus in a jar uh, at our uh, geogra geography teacher's uh, in his uh, desk. Yeah, that's not good. No, that'd be that'd be stinky. Yeah, well, it was in the jar. It was already pickled. I don't think pickled, pickled things smell. Sure they do. Tell me more about this theory. Well, they smell... I, you, I hope you like the smell of pickles. I do. I don't like pickled beets that much, though. Mm. I I grew up with the pickled beet. Really? It was a, it was on the table every summer. Uh, so Sliced it, pickled beets. Are you sort and of radishes? Scottish, Irish kind of background. Yeah, English. Scottish. Uh, thought we were Irish, uh -huh. and then my uncle did the tree. Yeah, and uh, like my great great grandfather came from Ireland, but mm -hmm. but uh, he was Scottish. Right. So they were displaced and uh, sent to Ireland long ago because a lot of the a lot of the Scottish were, were uh, you know, feuding and fighting. Rabble rousers. And uh, and they said, you know, get the fuck out. The English said, get the fuck out or 
or uh, or we'll kill you. Yeah, that was a big threat back those. And days. they wanted so to uh, they wanted to boost the presence of the Protestants in Northern Ireland. So they sent a lot of Scottish people up there, and they and they were still, I think, probably getting in trouble. The Flanagans yeah. would have been Catholic, I believe. Um, but it's it might be the same type of a story. Although I think with the last name like Flanagan, you're you're going to be Irish somewhere. Yeah. And uh, but we had rel- the McPherson family was in the mix, so there's Scottish, and then there's relatives were in Kent. I don't really understand what that side of my family is, and the other side, I just know that they're Polish Jews. But then someone pointed out Liebman could be Lieberman. So a contraction of German. And this, my friends, is a comedy podcast that we're doing together right now. But genealogy is so part of might, comedy. You might be related to Wendy Liebman. I once met Wendy Liebman, a comedian, and I said, you know, my mother's last name is Liebman. Had a really probably similar response to uh, Sean Cullen <laughs> when, he, when he told him that Guys didn't know each other. Actually, I bet Sean had a better response. <laughs> uh, no, Wendy Liebman was very nice. Oh, she I couldn't I couldn't see anything other than her being uh, just a, uh, a wonderful. She was so nice to me when I I met her. Did you open for Wendy Liebman? Yeah. Where? At the comedy bar last time she was here. How'd that go? It was great. She's a funny comic. It was great. She is. She's one of the she greats, was. really. Yeah, she came up with like Seinfeld and. Yeah, and she she's sort of she's a one-liner comic. She's a big mi- misdirection comedian. Yeah, you know, and and so, and I guess so was Rita Rudner in a way. I feel like Rita Rudner was like Natasha Leggero has like this touch of Rita Rudner <laughs> in her. Yeah, and I, mean, I was never a fan of Rita Rudner. No, no, Rita Rudner has a different vibe. Yeah, Rita Rudner has like almost a uh, Victoria Jackson kind of feel to her of like something happened. You put on this mask and you can't take it off, you know, but yeah, uh, whereas Wendy Liebman is like the opposite. But I feel like that stylistically in terms of their jokes, there is some kind of crossover in my vague memory. By the way, when I was young, I was a fan of Rita Rudner. I liked anyone who had like a, anyone who had a big personality in comedy. To me, that was comedy in the 1980s and 90s was just like. Is your is your personality giant? I'm all in. Well, I, I, I and maybe I. This is why I don't remember Wendy from those from back in that in that time. Yeah, she was more uh, sort of. But uh, but she, but I I learned something very important watching her do an hour, which was which was amazing. Mm-hmm. She uh, uh, well doing well. We both do shorter jokes, right? And. It's always a, a bit of a difficulty um, past a certain time. Uh, I don't know whether you've ever watched an anthology of short films, like a two-hour... Uh, yeah, like your uh, you four know. rooms or your... Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. It's, but, but you know, I mean, those New are York kind stories, of pieced together. You know. But I'm thinking like more something like, Richard a, like a whole hardcore. bunch of... Richard Kern Hardcore, that would be one. It's all different... Yeah ideas even if there's a similar theme sure and it's exhausting yes it's very difficult to to uh, absorb that 
you know, as opposed to, uh-huh. uh, you know, uh, somebody who's a storyteller. Or, you know, they're, they're, right. Or e- even as someone whose jokes are sort of based on uh, thematic linkage, you know. Well, I, I try to do that. Uh, uh, but, but you know what I mean? There's like not tagging, a story. Tagging, 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 so it doesn't feel like a one-liner so much. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like lots of tangents that still relate and then bringing it back at the end, which I think people do in one-liners. But it's very, it's much more clearly plotted out when it's long one-liners, you know. Well, what what she did was uh, there was a certain point where she went in, and one of the things you could do is 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 start doing crowd work. Sure. And so she would do that, uh, and then someone would say something that would remind her of a of a joke, and she'd go back in to material for another 10, 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then go back into the crowd for a little while. And then at the same thing, someone would mention something and she'd do another 10. I like that. Yeah, it was fantastic. Very engaging. It was It was really... Uh, yeah, Tom Henry is someone we know who does one line yeah. and sort of incorporated that sort of a, yeah, his, a crowd his, work. Uh, yeah, his crowd it. work is, is fantastic. And... Uh, you, so you funny. Do, you do some, but you're 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 not really. Well, your stand-up is so timing related, like in your delivery, that it's almost like uh you're shooting an arrow, like you're shooting an arrow and trying to hit a bullseye, and if you don't hit that bullseye in the cro- in, in the in the crosshairs, you know, in the crowd work, you know, I've never really seen you flop at crowd work. But it's like, by the way, I never talk this much about stand-up. And I'm <laughs> right now just having this sort of attempting to stand even though I've been doing comedy for like a long time. A long-ass time. Well, folks, it's that time. The time where I say, if you enjoy the podcast, please consider supporting us. If you don't have any money. Much like so many of us in this world, you can subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. That makes a big difference. Spread the word on Twitter, Facebook, wherever you want. Subscribe to the YouTube. It all really helps. Just we really are trying to get more and more visible. So that's awesome. Now, if you do have a buck or two to spare, co-fi, that's ko-fi.com slash Nick Flanagan, is a way to do a one-time kind of support donation. And I'll make sure that you get some cool stuff for that. And as well, um, patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan is really the best way to do it because uh, I have costs for this. And every month, the Patreon helps cover those costs. Thanks to everyone who's already a patron. Jason, Sarah, Andrew, lots of different people, uh, many of whom I know. Uh, Thank you. But if you're thinking about it, uh, think of it this way. If you if you support with a dollar a month, two dollars a month, that's less than the cost of dinner at the Chinese laundry restaurant in uh, California, which would cost you like a thousand bucks. And frankly, it's just as tasty. We're listening to Sun Ra right now in the background, and I'm, I'm talking to Todd Graham. So let's get back to me talking to Todd Graham. Thanks. By the way, with ADD, is it hard to do a long interview like this? No. What is your ADD? What does it make uh, difficult? Well, uh, 
starting things. Okay, I understand that. Finishing things. Yeah, I'm there right right there with you. Uh, the middle. Remembering. Because you can't do middle without every the start or the finish. Oh, no, middle. I'm great with middle. <laughs> do you, are you a middle often doing comedy? Middle man. <laughs> you're the middle man. You're the person yeah. in between deals. Yeah. What, what was the question again? <laughs> the ADHD. How does it manifest for you? Or is it ADD? Yeah, it's uh, it's I I got no H. It's all ADD. Unless you uh, could uh, harness the power of my big toes wiggling constantly. <laughs> Do you uh, have other anxious habits? Yeah, my my comorbidity would be probably uh, just general anxiety. I found that. Uh, <clears throat> Starting uh, doing stand-up uh, has greatly helped with that, though. I mean, I can I can hold uh, conversations with strangers uh, far more easily than in the past. Oh man, that's good. That's good. I've gotten better at that, but I think it's been uh, mostly through shielding myself from that, as well as uh, medication. Well, yeah, uh, yeah, I think, yeah, pro well, medication has been helpful also. Because very often I'd be in situations at bars or restaurants or at, when my band would play restaurants. Oh, okay. Um, and and uh, I just say, you know, people would be really nice to me and I would be there for it, you know, for the conversation. But at some point I would feel so exhausted and stressed out in the middle of it that I'd have to, like, excuse myself, basically. And they probably thought, based on my body language, maybe I was bored of them or frustrated or tired. But just, I was tired. I was I yeah. exhausted myself. I find there's something in this uh, type of brain that is, it's easy to get exhausted. Yeah, I, well, sure. And I, I don't know. I guess uh, I, I try not to... Uh, to uh, overthink about uh you know what what those interactions how they're probably not very lasting for uh other people same. either yeah no same for me same for me i think that might be a, a a positive of of the adhd that i have is it's like it's really hard for me to picture outside of the moment i'm interacting with someone that they would ever say anything about me. You know what I mean? Like, it's really hard to, unless criticism is really put right in my face or someone's opinion is put right in my face, I assume it is not there because there is nothing being said. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. My my wife said to me once that uh, I was... Uh, I was uh, uh, quite anxious about uh, something. Uh, um, I don't even remember what it was, but but uh, she she said that uh, that the uh, neurotic uh, persona that that I was heralding as like uh, almost romantic was was uh, just as self-involved as arrogance. Well, yeah. 
I mean, sure. I never made that connection before. So yeah. like, and I, and that was, uh, you know, nothing would have scared me more than to be seen as arrogant. So, right. so, uh, um, I, I, I found that, uh, was that's something I think about often. Never. Uh, yeah. I, I forgot where that was kind of thrown, uh, told to me about neurosis being, um, well, I mean, it's self-involvement, you know, which yeah. I think it's something that gets a bit of a, like uh, words like narcissism and stuff, they automatically get that sort of negative stigma, but sometimes it's just a question of the degree in which it's present, you know? So some level of self-involvement is to be expected. Oh, I, sure. You know, but yeah. then... Uh, the thing where you're sort of always like, how was that? Was that good? Am I doing okay? Do you like me? Do, do they yeah. like me? Do they like me? I mean, you know, and if it's crippling in some sense, neurosis, you know, I, I think when it kind of has to do with self-esteem, you know, it gets into a bit more of a gray area in terms of if it's self-involvement or just concern, <laughs> you know, about being able to, tie your own shoelace ever (laughs) yeah well this is probably one of the things that's so exhausting yeah it is i mean i am just so sick of uh having to sort of vacillate between like okay sometimes i'm gonna let people down (laughs) and being like okay well i gotta try not to let people down. (laughs) you know like accepting myself for what it is and trying to go well, you have to be considerate to others too. So work on it. You know, it's like, that's yeah. a, a very tough uh, line to walk. And it's, it, it's the sort of, uh, I, I think generationally it's, it's something that people are really trying to figure out, you know? Yeah. The right now, like the line between personal responsibility and whatever the other thing is <laughs> impersonal uh, 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 irresponsibility. The line between trying and saying you're going to try. Yeah. Well, but saying you're going to try is a real ADHD thing. Yeah. yeah that's what I mean. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. It's, it's, and then even just sort of, there's something also about, I find like the self labeling of it and the constant discussion of it that makes me a little uncomfortable too and oh. self conscious, you know? Oh, my kids don't, they can't even hear the words. Well, another thing I was going to ask was like, Having kids, has that made you a bit more forgiving of yourself and what you view as like problems with ADHD because you would not want to criticize them heavily for those types of uh, attributes? Well, I I understand them. Yeah. Because they speak English. Yeah. For the most part. For the most part. They have, what, what, they, are they have bilingual kids? No. Oh. No. But sometimes... It's the new stuff. It's of just talking. gibberish. Yeah, sometimes it's you know, hizzle. Well, they, <laughs> low they, key, uh, high key. It wasn't. It wasn't until uh, when we when we discovered that that it was an issue with them. Finsta. That uh, that I found out that I have. Ah, uh, so you had a situation like Rick Green, Patrick McKenna, these different people who actually had to find out uh, through their kids. The, yeah the, that's amazing yeah it was uh it was a bit of a gift as far as like 
Oh, well, that explains a lot. Yeah, no, I, I feel the same way. But I really didn't feel like it was a gift until I actually really looked into the spectrum of things that it affects. Because when I first had it, or had the diagnosis, I don't know, it just kind of, they just threw me back out into the world and I didn't read up on it, you know? Yeah. But, yeah. Because reading is <laughs> tough to get started. <laughs> I've, been, I, I've been a lot better at reading this year, so... I I, oh, yeah. I still I've oh, fallen on hard reading times. Well, you're you're always trying to read a room. That's why. That's right. Yeah. You know. And tuck it can't loose. you can't in, intuitively read a book. <laughs> so where are you from? I try. But you're asking the book, you know. Yeah. And it's married... all based on the cover. <laughs> I see you're from Penguin. Yeah, I was gonna go. I was gonna go, Knopf. <laughs> Knopf, Maryland. I think I've been there. Um, but yeah, so so that was a gift. And then, I mean, in a way, it is. It it brings you and and your kids to some level of an understanding. Hopefully, they aren't mad at you that you have it. Oh no, I don't think they ever looked at it like that. No, they don't. They don't, uh, uh, my daughter isn't, uh, isn't medicated. She didn't react well to the, to the types that she tried. Yeah. And it's, that's, I'm sure, you know, it's a, that's a real struggle to find something that works. Trial and if, error for if sure. It, and so I don't know, maybe she'll try that again. Uh, who knows, but, um, uh, there's different approaches. Certainly I was lucky and, and found something relatively quick so really? no uh, adderall xr is that the one that's uh time release yeah yeah i'm on a time release folk quest and i love it yeah yeah but i'm gonna ramp up my dosage yeah yeah because uh i don't know like you said beginning and ending things has been a bit of a thing for me lately and my little mental health year of the past year is kind of coming to a close so i need to do something with my life yeah but i don't think that'll you think that'll change anything like i mean we're always looking for a, a magic uh, pill right i don't and, uh, think it'll change it i mean i just need to see if it can get a little brain clear a little brain fog you know yeah. like i i'm not really expecting it to do the job for me but let's face it i mean a big problem with uh all medications for things like depression or ADHD, you know, a lot of the time testimonials, but ADHD has a lot of tendency towards grandiosity and kind of uh, concrete statements. So people go the next day I was able to do a million things <laughs> after taking Granzenlin, you yeah. know, and, and uh, I've never experienced that, you know, in, no. the, in that sense, you know, it's, uh, I think, I was just listening to a, a Gabor Maté. Do you know him, Doctor Gabor Maté? He's oh, like didn't uh, Madonna used to go out with him? <laughs> no, you're thinking of uh, um, Guy Ritchie. Oh, <laughs> right. It's a gypsy. G gypsy. I don't think you gypsy can Guy Ritchie. Isn't that right? Is he? <laughs> no, they call him travelers. Yes. Now Roma. I believe Roma would be Roma. Word. Yeah. Romani people. But, you know, you, we, we both come from eras where the word gypsy had a humorous element to it. Hobo, yeah. gypsy, you know, 
Moth. M- moth. <laughs> it was a type of moth. Ho- hobo? Gypsy moth? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, now they've probably changed the name to Ro- Romani moth. Or hobo moth. Hobo moth. Because it looks hobo like moth was it's got a bindle attached. Think, uh, hobo moth was one of one of uh, Godzilla's foes, I think. <laughs> hobo Mothra. Yeah, I mean Mothra probably was. What was Godzilla? But a tale of intergalactic hobos <laughs> fighting for territory, all tied together. <laughs> um, but <laughs> in a rubber suit. In a, in a rubber suit, but but. Uh, yeah, um, I don't really remember what I was saying. Oh, yeah, medication. I do think uh, there's just a lot of personal stigma, you know, about doing certain things, you know, whether it's taking medication, asking for help. Uh, for some reason, it can be more comfortable feeling that you're trapped in your own mind, you know. I never was level. bothered by it at all. I was I was glad for the help, and I don't care. Who yeah, but knows? you were a full-on adult. Yeah, but yeah. I've known I'm I have adult friends who, who were like uh, when I started making jokes and making like even just posts on social media about having ADD, they they were like private messaging me saying, "Oh, I you know that's crazy. I have that too. Uh, I don't want anyone to know." Yeah. Well, that's because like workplaces. Yeah. Uh, I do think that there is some level of unspoken kind of uh, expectation of unreliability, but that's my own uh, hang up, you know? Yeah, I don't know. But I definitely think that talking about it publicly is good because you wind up having, I've had a lot of people, uh, you know, but then they would know, then they would, you'd have, if you're on a drug plan, they they will know that you're, that that's what you're taking a little bit of a humble brag there <laughs> and like i don't know my drug plan if i were to be lucky enough to have a high enough level to get a drug plan is like uh actra it's like actors so it's oh, like some guy yeah. at an actor insurance thing is like oh yeah this guy is adhd that's one of it's 100 percent of our base yeah you know which isn't really true because i definitely think that you know, ADHD is one of those uh, things where the kinds of people who have it take chances and they uh, often are very creative in their, uh, and they have high ego, big egos about their creative. No, but they, they, the creating, the doing something different, you know, standing out, that's doable. You know, it's kind of the getting organized, deciding what the next step is, how to bring it all together. Yeah. That's where you wind up getting into some issues, which is why I think a lot of people in entertainment actually are merely uh, people without ADHD building on ideas made by people with ADHD, you know, and uh, they can all go to hell. So, uh, no, they're fine. So you're saying go that, to heaven. that God had ADD and he needed Noah to build the, the boat exactly it for him and, and organize all those animals or maybe he needed muhammad to do what he did which i'm unclear on it seems there's a mountain mountains mountain was involved i think in both stories yeah mountains are always a big part in olden times like they and were one of the only I, interesting know, we're, things we're falling into the old trap of of uh referring 
to it as he. That's also. true. No, God could be. It's a. It's a woman with it's three a thing. boobs. No, it's a. It's a. It's a thing. No what? gender uh, involved. Like a barbell papa kind of issue. Yeah, I, I think they had genders. There was a whole they, family. Right. So it would be more like. Uh, there was. A, they were a gender assigned uh, 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 cotton candy group, <laughs> right? Yeah. What about? Uh, Maybe just clouds? Like, is God just a genderless cloud? That sounds about right. That might be your God. Oh, shots thrown at Israel as usual. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Bet you're wondering when this is going to end. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 I was just wondering how long that would take to get there. To the accusations of anti-Semitism. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we got, we, got we got pretty far in. <laughs> That's a surprise. I'm, I'm happy for myself. This is the longest <laughs> I've ever gone before accusing someone of anti-Semitism. So congratulations. You're the least anti-Semitic guest we've ever had. Good. With the exception of, um, I don't know if I've actually ever had a Jewish, um, A.L. Senior. He's very Jewish. Yeah. Not anti-Semitic at all. <laughs> well, uh, they're usually the worst. So, Todd, you've got a brand new album. It's called Busted Loose. Yeah. Do you want to do a routine for it? Talk up the album? It's on Comedy Records. Yeah. Released in July. We recorded it last September. And holding on took a long time to get things Fun. done that should have been much faster. Was this ADD related? Oh yeah. So what were the things that you had a hard time? The, all the art for. I knew what I wanted on the cover, and I got the back done pretty quickly. But uh, the liner and the label i was i was uh, uh, uh had the wonderful opportunity to make my own artwork and uh, and uh, was very happy to have that opportunity but i just dragged it on for so long mm. yeah and uh missed a lot of deadlines and it ended up uh getting bumped in line for uh, a release and and that's you know so it's all and it's fine. There was no. There it's was no hurry. Now. It took. Uh, you don't have to be sad. No, no. It took. Uh, it took. You uh, didn't fail. You a succeeded. A long time to, to get to, the point of making, a record. And yeah. it's on. And it's on vinyl, which uh, I'm. I couldn't be more thrilled with. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, putting it out on vinyl does feel good. Having vinyl. Yeah. Go. Okay. Yeah, and they got. You know, a couple uh, boxes of those records in my basement where Someone they will, else paid to make it. They will vinyl? stay for the rest of my days. Yeah, I've got a. But yes, comedy record paid, paid for. Yeah, I had my records and tapes were all paid for. It was a great feeling. Yeah, and then you get some and you make all the money. If well, money. I, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, about that. <laughs> but. Uh, yeah, is it special colored vinyl or just black vinyl? Yeah, I think I think it's fine, just being <laughs> regular. 
Mine's regular marbled. Is it? Yes. People like that. I was telling someone about that. They didn't know that that existed. Oh, and I and I like that uh, different types of vinyl. The vinyl that had the marbling. Yeah. I that I'm sorry to tell you this, but that was always my least favorite. I like yeah. the I like the clear red kind the, of thing. Yeah, or, yeah, or other colors. But now uh, I just want black vinyl, definitely. Yeah. With like that old school uh, thick grooves, not the little thin grooves. You know. Yeah. Yeah, I want thick, thick, broad. I haven't checked the division. grooves on my album. And um, they might were, be uh, in between. You were doing comedy for 12 years before you put out your album? Yeah, kind like Ten I, I took the that class and then it was kind of, you know, two or three years where I would do, you know, maybe a show every three months. Mm-hmm. I did. Yeah. I, I, I started out in a weird place in that uh, uh, I couldn't get on for the life of me. I couldn't get on the, uh, the, the yuck, yuck amateur night or, right. or the absolute. Well, I didn't try so much the absolute, but I would call every week the yuck yucks. I couldn't get on for like two years. And then, uh, but at the same time I could get, I was on uh, the, the uh, alt dot at the Rivoli. Yeah. Cause my neighbor, was friends with the booker. Right. And so I got, uh, 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 they used to have to audition after the regular show. I remember So that. like Monday night. That was a nightmare. By and the it way. was already a long show. I But they would the, get a different host. Don't forget. Or they would use the same host sometimes. One, a couple, no, because a, some, sometimes like if the host is like, you know, a somewhat established comic, they don't want to stay and do that. So a couple of yeah. times I had to host that. Yeah. And it sucked. But well, they paid you. Well, this was this was uh, um, good, and in, in, in the in that when it was my time to do this show, it was still early enough in that I had about twenty people come out. Oh, they like that. And and uh, so like that was the first show I did that there was people laughing. Right. Like there was a good reception. <laughs> And and uh, so I got in a regular rotation after that, um, which was this great show that everybody wanted to be on. Right. And I, but I couldn't get on any of these other shows yeah. for the life of me. Yeah. So I was doing that and and uh, spirits as well. Yeah. Same situation. Yeah. And uh, uh, so I was doing those two shows, and Einstein's. Right. Which, if anyone is aware of this show Einstein's in Toronto. This is getting kind of deep, but it's one of those shows that's like, it's most people's first stop. Yeah. Let's say. Yeah. And some people's first and last stop. Yeah. It's um, no one's there to watch or listen to comedy. I did it once. I didn't actually, I went to do it once. And the host was this guy who was later accused of many horrible things, uh, by the, uh, police, uh, and he kept telling me I was next, but then he just didn't put me on at the end of it. Was that Clifford? Yes, Rob Clifford. Oh, yes. God. Yeah. That's terrible. Not the best guy. No. No. Bad man. Started getting nice to me near the end of his uh, career. As the people whittled down who yeah. were in his life. Yeah. So are you proud of your new album? I am. I think it, it turned out 
terrific. I, I, I'm happy about it. Are you glad you sort of waited quite a few years before putting out something like this? Yeah. Yeah, I almost got to a point where I don't know. I mean, I, I, I talked about it, but I don't, I don't know whether I would have done it unless uh, I got that extra little push from, from Barry and Tim at Comedy Records to, to do it. And uh, that, was, uh, that was great. I might still not have made it by this point. And did you uh, record one show? Was it all from one show? No, we did. We did a weekend, Friday, Saturday uh, shows at the comedy bar, and then I, I used a little bit from uh, a show later, about a month later. That you recorded? Well, it was a it was a comedy record show, and mm -hmm. they were taping it anyways, so they were able to. The audio was good enough that that they were able to use that. I've got to remember to do this. I'll yeah. put on an album again soon. Yeah, yeah. Do a do a bunch of shows. That's the trick. The first time I tried was a, I was going to do an EP with Comedy Records and and it was a nightmare. It was uh, uh, at that uh, uh, Free Times Cafe on College. Wow, I don't know why anyone would try to I record don't an either. album in the Free Times. It was bad. Yeah, the Free Times is one of those places where it its existence made sense like until about 1991 and then after that it's like why is this you got to still here man it's any show it, it's key that you got to start it as late as you can so the <laughs> the lady that owns the the restaurant has gone home <laughs> she's she's very she's very into everybody's business and uh, yeah she wants everyone to buy a drink even if they're the comedians and they have to sit in a certain place and can't have can't have coats at the table. It's very strange. Free times, man. Yeah. These those were free times. Um, and she's got she was very Nancy Walks Walker esque. Who's Nancy Walker? Rhoda's mom. Remember the oh. bounty lady, quicker picker upper? Kinda. Yeah, like this I is before do, your time. Sort of before this my 70s, time. 70s. Uh, I know about this reference. from Mad Magazine as well. Nancy Walker directed uh, the uh, the Village People movie with Bruce Jenner and uh, Valerie Perrine. Wow. Yeah. And she was bad. I don't know. But her Why? personality in The Rota Show was very nosy and controlling. Oh, it was, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, it was uh, uh, the the Jewish mom stereotype. Right. Well, I've got to get back into watching Rhoda. But she had, uh, she had a wonderful bouffant. Mmm. I love a bouffant. Yeah. Uh, and was a pioneer. Why'd you call your album Bustin' Loose? Because it sounds like uh, I had a lot of ideas that were like very callbacky to jokes and right. and like a lot of, yeah, you know, yeah, titles that. Uh, were far up my own ass. Disgraced police officer. There were a lot of things that I was going in a direction I didn't really like, and this this sounds like like a, a comic from the seventies third album. Yeah, and it just sounds ridiculous, and I think very funny. Well, um, yeah, no, I do love the title "Bustin' Loose." Um, we can do a quick show and tell. This is a. Uh, figuring what do you think of this is that uh that's one of the uh, dragon ball dragon ball z yeah yeah is that z yeah 
This isn't Z. I think this is, uh, I don't know. It's not Goku. I don't know who this is. And all of them, all their hair is on fire? All Most of, of their hair has that vibe, yeah. So what do, you, what do you think of those? Dragon Ball Z, you ever got into it? No, it was, it was before my kids were uh, into that kind of shit. So, right. So we missed the boat. What about these? Yeah, well, uh, that's an old classic. Yeah, you want to try them on? No. Well, they're Groucho Marx glasses. Are they specifically? No. They could also just be, uh, I don't know, like. Uh, I think it's interesting. Nerdy that, duck glasses. It's interesting that they, they uh, continued the rubber into the mustache <laughs> but you have the hair like uh, material for the eyebrows yes the, the mustache is not hair like it is just rubber and the eyebrows are this kind of a fuzz thing i i guess it's because they thought well you know mustaches are fine it's finer like a mustaches are a finer thing i don't do a lot of podcasting but i have a feeling that that this kind of show and tell isn't gonna wash I, people like the show do they yeah What's this? This is a Richie Rich book, comic book. It's uh, thrills and laughs. Yeah, I didn't like. I didn't even like that when I was a kid. Did you? You like the Richie? I liked Casper. I liked Casper. I liked the. I liked the Little Devil. Oh, I didn't even know Little Devil. Yeah. Hot stuff. Little Lotta. Little Lotta. I remembered Little Lotta. She was all heavy. Yeah. Yeah. That kind of sexist. Pretty much. Sizes. You didn't know hot stuff? No. I don't know. I well, it was like Casper only red <laughs> with little horns. Yeah, I know what you're talking about, but I yeah. never had that. What about this? ADD stole my car keys. Is that Rick Green? Green with I don't have Dr. that one. Umesh Jane. You don't have this one? No, I saw the documentary though. Money is a problem. ADDers have a much higher rate of bankruptcy due to mismanaging businesses. As well, untreated ADDers earn on average $10,000 less than their non-ADD peers. They also indulge in endless trivial spending. This is like a problem I have with this book. It's just like the rampant, discouraging negativity. <laughs> yeah. <I> don't <laughs> start a business. Buying one energy drink seems insignificant. But if they add up what it costs them over a year. What? Yo, how many energy drinks are you What is that about AIDS? Um... ADDers, okay, well, this is just uh, um, somebody, this is just someone, okay, I'll admit to the occasional paid sexual encounter, and yeah, I've had my share of sexually transmitted diseases. I thank God that I haven't had AIDS. What the fuck? Yet. What the fuck? I don't know. Can Canadian educational books tend to be incredibly uh, scare-based, I've found. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I was in this group, and we read pages of this. And yeah. it talks about what resonated. And that was great because it sort of disarmed the fear tactics and took away a lot of the discouragement because we were talking about it in group. So if you ever read ADD Stole My Car Keys, try to read it with other people with ADHD and, and uh, talk about it because it's helpful. And if you give this to your kids, just tell them it's going to be okay. All right. They won't. They don't, like I said, they don't even like to hear the words. Well, one day... They're going to obsess over it like Maybe. I do. Maybe. What about this book? Introduction to, to Young? The art book. I've seen that around. You know, my mom's big into art. 
Aren't, aren't we all? Who's your favorite artist? Oh, I, there's many. I I like Andy Warhol. Right. Saw a great Andy Warhol show at the Whitney yeah. in the last year. I, uh, uh, I had no idea how incredibly diverse yeah. his range of work was. It's funny. And that he was a great illustrator. Yeah. And that by the time he was sort of started not doing his work, you know, he was didn't matter. He had the form somewhat mastered. Oh, yeah. He, he was... Uh... I liked him. I didn't realize that he'd done collaborations with uh, the young artists that he championed in the 1980s, like Keith Haring and, and mm -hmm. Basquiat. I thought that was, I didn't know any of that. Yeah. And they had all of that on display. It was really cool. Yeah, yeah, he's something. Um, so you like Warhol? Yeah. Um, well, and, and I'm th thinking back to school days, uh, uh, like Jenny Holzer, uh, there was a, like some performance that I was into. Laurie uh, Anderson. Laurie Anderson. I yeah, love Laurie Anderson. Big lately. fan of hers. You ever hear? I, her I got to meet her. Oh. Uh, well, I. Um, you might be interested in this. I don't know whether you're an Andy Kaufman fan. Of course. Well, she uh, used to hang around Andy Kaufman mm. in her early days, and uh, she was even uh, plant in in at oh, uh, one of the some of his shows. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I My favorite thing about Andy Kaufman, in a way, was that he he used the laws of... Sh he, he used regular show business tactics like plants. And, you know, it was all... As much of it, people thought it was about this sort of commitment to a character. It was actually about planned, very pre-planned kind of gags. That's Yeah. All, you know, that's so cool. Yeah. And she and she was talking at OCA and uh, and I asked her about that and she was very excited to to talk about. Oh, uh, that's yeah. great! They would go to like uh, Coney Island, mm -hmm. and he would be in his foreign man character right. on the tilt a whirl. Right. You know the spinning one. Of course. Where yeah. you get trapped against the wall. Uh huh. And he would be like, "I'm I am going to throw up. I think." And people <laughs> would be trying to get away from him, but they can't move. I'm, I'm going to be sick. <laughs> Couldn't do foreign man it nowadays. Just, Couldn't do just, foreign man. Oh, well, I wonder. Couldn't do. Uh, I wonder because it was wrestling because women. It, it's like it's well, that is uh, very because it it turns out that there was he more, was like much, sexually yes, yeah. there was a lot more. But also that was all pre-planned. He mostly did it with like his girlfriend, yeah, as the wrestling lady. But that turned off a lot of his audience. yeah yeah. <laughs> But he loved that. Well, the fact that, you know, he committed, again, he committed himself to being like, I'm going to be a wrestling heel. Yeah. You know, in the mid-1980s is, uh, and how it backfired terribly, essentially. You know, the the yeah. audience was not ready to sort of accept that as something they wanted to pay for, you know. But to me, his big uh, achievement was that uh, Carnegie Hall show. Yeah. You know, and I love his CBS special. I think there's certain. I don't know which is which. The CBS special is this one. The fact that he has a PBS special, I think, is. He has is a PBS a, special? Yeah. What? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was on PBS. <laughs> well, he did the Midnight special. Yeah. And then maybe he did a PBS special too. I believe it. Yeah. I believe that was the one where he had the. The desk that was 10 feet tall. Oh. Yeah. So it was like a, a talk show. 
Yeah. And the, the, <laughs> the desks are always a little bit higher. So the, the interviewer is just that much higher than the guests yeah. for like a power thing. Mm -hmm. But his was like 10 feet tall. <laughs> and then one of his guests was his ex-girlfriend, uh, Carol Liefer, <laughs> the stand-up comic Carol Liefer. Right. You know? Yes. yes. And, uh, and, they, and they just get into this argument. It's clearly the, the, yeah planned. Stage, the, yeah, the, the CBS one is connect uh, to it. So he, he has Cindy Williams on, and uh, he's interviewing her very awkwardly. At one point, he goes, "Have you had any diseases?" <laughs> he interviews Howdy Doody in that one. That's oh, I remember one. that one. That's right? the one where the TV signal goes out in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah, turn, turn off your TVs. But the best thing to me about that is that there is among this crazy silliness, there's this actual sincerity you know yeah that and, and love of show business or at least of what he so he's interviewing howdy doody in an actually reverent way or he's singing that old song at the end uh friendly world that he's sort of saying you know the one and uh i hear that song when i see him do that i think this is actually beautiful you know and uh that's what i think comedy should be well, he would very much revert back to uh, to his childhood. Yeah, he was a very childlike performer, you know, and I think that was what perfectly uh, counterbalanced like Tony Clifton and all that. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, big fan. Yeah, and Pee Wee was like that too, and uh, yeah. and uh, well, this was I kind of. Having uh, uh, seen uh, his partner Bob Zamuda a few times uh, uh, on different shows, and, right. and like since uh, Andy's died and stuff, mm -hmm. uh, I, I and and that's the only biography that I read. <laughs> that almost every story came back around to how yeah. it was all Zamuda, Andy Zamuda, or uh, Bob Zamuda's idea. Yeah, um, he uh, he's hard to. Uh, believe you got to read welcome to the fun house and i think there was another one that came or lost in the fun house and and the other one uh the andy coffin one by zmuda and zmuda interviews are interesting because he's working so hard to pre preserve a myth while also self-promote yeah but <laughs> but the other ones are you know, there's a bit more disgust. But he said, and I think it was in that book that that uh, uh, Pee Wee Herman asked permission to use uh, Andy's idea of of this children's program. Right. Yeah. And yeah. that became Pee Wee's Playhouse. I don't know whether that's true or not. Well, Todd, I think we're done. Yeah. I think so. Got a lot of yeah, material. Well, here. good. I think there's something. I'm so happy. Hopefully, that you came. Are you Are you glad that? You yeah. Came? Did you have yes. fun? Yes, I did. For two guys with ADD, we plowed right through. Yeah, we didn't fall down the hole too many times. Not too many times. I asked a lot of questions about race here and there. Did yeah? I, that well, wasn't I wasn't my takeaway. Uh, do you have anything you'd like to promote? How can people get your album? Yeah, just my album. Busting loose. What if they want to buy it? Buy it on vinyl. What do they do? Well, it, it's on. I have a website that I that I uh, they made for me at Comedy Record, Todd which Band. is com. great. 
No, there's so many Todd Grahams. Comedyrecords.com. Do you find there's a lot of Nick Flanagan's? I couldn't get nickflanagan.com. I actually had the Nick Flanagan Twitter and strangely enough, changed the name. Did you? Yeah. What are you, crazy? I'm crazy. Oh, man. There's even another Todd Graham comedian. <laughs> and uh, And... But the most successful one is this uh, uh, Trump-supporting uh, NCAA <laughs> college football coach oh, from yeah. Texas yeah. who's like my age. Yeah, looks like you. Kind of similar. Dresses like you. And, uh, uh, Same delivery. Just horrible, Same horrible man. And, I, and I, he steals a lot of my Google Thunder. I have Nick Flanagan, a, Australian, a New Zealand golfer who was named Mr. Gay New Zealand or something at one point. So he seems cool. Yeah. And uh, there's a tattoo artist named Nick Flanagan as well. There's an Australian hockey player, ice hockey player, uh-huh. Todd Graham. And he's he's in Wikipedia also. If there, are you in Wikipedia? No, 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 I'm not. If I've it, tried to crack that nut before. Right. Me too. You got to get somebody who knows... How to do it. Yeah. Well, maybe I'll pay. You got to pay somebody maybe to I'll do it? I'll pay my mom to do it for me. But they want all this support material. Because yeah. I wanted to make one for Apocalypse Foo. Yeah. And I, so I, I have to go through all kinds of essays and anything that's been written. Get comedy records to do it for you. No, I, I don't think they do that. A nicely worded email can get almost anybody to do anything. You think so? No. <laughs> but, I mean, sometimes you want to put it out there and it be- comes through. Yeah. Well, Todd. I don't think that works. I'd rate this a 10 out of 10. Good. You a 10 out of 10. You're the a 10 out of 10. Thank you. The album is hilarious. I hope we've gone. You know, no, it's busting loose. The album's busting loose, hilarious. Hilarious it's a Louis was it? Yeah. Special. Don't want to um, be associated with that. Busting loose is a hilarious album. Todd Graham's hilarious. Pick it up on vinyl or on Spotify, wherever fine things are streamed. You can. It's even on YouTube. Yeah. And weird. It is weird. Well, thanks, Todd. Thank any, you. Any last words? Thanks. No, it's nice to meet your uh, family, and I'll probably go just go home now. Okay, bye. See ya. Bye. Ladies and gentlemen, that was Todd Graham. I hope you enjoyed our talk. I always do. Idiot Gallant, Twitter, Instagram, all that stuff. F- send him a Facebook friend request. See what happens. Um, I really love the guy. We have a lot in common. Um, but also, you know, I think that he has a lot I could learn from, you know, he's a really bright guy and a great comic. He writes great jokes. So be sure to pick up his album, Bustin' Loose. And this is Nick Flanagan Weekly. Thanks for listening. Nick Flanagan Weekly. Nick Flanagan Weekly.